Marvel fans. Do we have them in the house today? All right. Who's going to win um, today? Is it going to be France? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, okay. Ethan says it's him who's going to win. I don't think he knows. Ethan, there's like a big final football match between France and Argentina today. I'm glad it wasn't this morning because I don't know how many of you would have showed up for church if it was. <laughs> anyway, it's so good to see you all and to um, celebrate with you. And I look forward to next Sunday. Like Inej was saying, let's fill the house, guys. Bring every lonely soul you can think of. Bring them to the house to meet with Jesus, to receive the love of Jesus, to hear the gospel message as we celebrate together. The kids will be in with us. It's going to be a festive time. We're even going to have a meal together. It's going to be wonderful. So come with your hearts ready to bless others and to receive God's blessing for you in this season. So we are, as you, I'm sure all of you are aware by now, in our series on Positioned. And what we are focusing on is positioning ourselves to possess what God has in store for us in 2023, in this year that's coming up. And raising our faith levels to believe God for greater things for ourselves individually, to believe for greater things for our families, and for us corporately as a church. We want to enter this new year ready to fight for and to possess what belongs to us ready to march into whatever opportunities God has for us and take it by storm. Amen? So I, I'll be sharing this morning, my um, message is developing unwavering trust in God. Wouldn't we all like to trust God more than we do now? And we want to talk about this a little bit this morning, how to develop unwavering trust in God. And our focus is, in this season, we're looking in the book of Joshua. We're learning from the Israelites as they possess the promised land that God had promised them. And we're going to read from Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 to 15. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however... Followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly, so that the day Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. 
You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. One thing that stood out to me when I read this scripture is that three times in this short passage, it's mentioned about Caleb, that he was wholehearted. It says, I followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. And again, it says, three times it says this. And we see that because he followed God wholeheartedly with all of his heart, he possessed the promise of God, but yet he went into that promised land There were 12 spies, and only two of those spies inherited the promise. Those who were wholehearted and filled with faith. And the other 10 never saw the promise of God in their lives. So we want to look at Caleb and see a little bit what made him such a strong man who was focused in his faith. Because isn't it amazing? He was promised Hebron when he was 40 years old. But from the time when he was given the promise till when he received the answer, 45 years passed. Inej was sharing with us from Psalms 37 about waiting patiently on God. You know, we might wait for a few minutes and say, God, I'm waiting. God, have you forgotten about me? I'm waiting. And I'm sure Caleb, sometimes he probably got discouraged. My goodness, 45 years of waiting for his promise. And yet... In that time of waiting, we find that Caleb was doing exactly what Inej was encouraging us to do, feeding on the faithfulness of God. Because instead of him losing sight of the promise, instead of him being discouraged and turning his back on God or getting bitter and resentful because God didn't give me what he promised, he held on to the promise for 45 years. And it says here that at the age of 85, he was just as strong and vigorous and full of faith and ready to conquer and take that promise that God had for him. And he did that, and his descendants after him enjoyed that promise because he was faithful. What an amazing guy. We want to look back a little bit. Actually, if we scroll back in time from Joshua, we go back to the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14. That is where we read about what happened back then. And I just want to run it through with you what happened back in those days when he was only 40 years old. We read this account account in the Bible where God instructed Moses and said, okay, you've come out of Egypt, now you've come to the promised land and you're about to enter. I want you to choose out of all the Israelites from each one of the 12 tribes, you choose one person to represent them, one young strong man, and then we're gonna send those 12 into the promised land And they're going to survey. They're going to spy out the land and come back and give us a report. So we will know how how best we can go in and take the land God has promised us. So they did that. They went in, crossed over the 12 young men. And for 40 days, over a month, they traveled through the promised land. And they saw what was there. And when they came back, they brought a mixed report. 
First of all, they told about all the amazing things. Yes, it's true what we've heard. This land is flowing with milk and honey. That's another way of saying that this, this place is, 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 is um, bountiful, it's fruitful, it's luscious, it's got so much good. And they even brought back some of the fruit, the grapes from the, that country. They were so huge and beautiful. So there were so many good things. And Caleb and Joshua, both of them, they were filled with faith and said, yeah, we can do this. But then the other 10 out of the 12, they said, yeah, but the people there are powerful. The cities are large and they're fortified. Sure, it's a beautiful country, but there's no way we can do this. And instead of bringing faith to the people and saying, we can do this. They started discouraging the people and says, there's no way we can do this. So Caleb in chapter 13, verse 30, he, Caleb silenced the people and he said to them, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, all the people that we saw, they're great in size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Do you see yourself as a grasshopper? Because you know your enemy sees you the way you see yourself. If you see yourself as a grasshopper and think, there's nothing I can do, little old me, and the problem and everything is so great, the enemy will see you in the same way like a grasshopper, and he'll step all over you. But if God is for you, the Bible says, who can stand against you? And that is the key to this whole thing. Has God promised you the promised land? What are the promises God's given you? Because sure, on your own, you can't defeat the enemy. Yes, he is big. But when God is with you, you are more than able to overcome every challenge and every obstacle that stands in your way because God Almighty the great God of the universe has your back. Amen. As a result, the Israelite, the people, they got so upset that they wanted, they said, it's better for us. Imagine they're standing right at the edge of God's promise. And they say, it's better for us to go back to Egypt where we came from. Let's stone Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. Let's stone them and choose a new leader to lead us back into the promised land. To lead us back into Egypt. Sorry. They wanted to go back to where they came from. Okay? Although they stood so close to inheriting what God had for them. As a result of their unbelief, their doubt... God became so angry. And the Bible says that God came, the glory of God appeared, and God came down, and he was angry. He said to Moses about the people, he said, How long will they refuse to believe in me after all the miracles I've done for them, after I've kept them faithfully in the desert all these years? How long until they will believe in me? How long will these people treat me with contempt? Do you know God has feelings? He gets offended when we doubt him. He can't understand how on earth 
cannot, can we not trust him and believe in him? Because he has power to do so much for us. And yet oftentimes, it's not God who's hindering things. It's ourselves who stand in the way. And God was angry with, him, with them. He said, let me strike them and kill them all with a plague. And then I'll start a new people through you, Moses. And Moses pleaded with God for them and said, God, please, don't do this. Please forgive them, God. What will the nations around think if they hear that you've destroyed them? And Moses stood in the gap and interceded for the people of Israel. And as a result, God forgave them. But there's consequences, guys, to when we don't obey God and when we choose to walk in fear and doubt instead of in faith. And the consequence for this people of Israel was that every single one of them who had doubted God died in the desert. And they traveled for another 40 years. They traveled inside the desert and died one after the other. Of those 12 spies who went in to see the promised land, all 10 of them who didn't believe died right there in the desert. And the only two who saw God's promises fulfilled was Joshua and Caleb. I believe all of us here this morning, we want to be part of that group of Joshua and Caleb's. We don't want to be part of the 10 who die without seeing God's purposes come to pass in our lives. Amen? Yeah. Verse, chapter 14 of Numbers and 24, it says, God spoke this over Caleb. He said, but because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him in. Imagine God speaking that over your life. Because you have a different spirit, and because you follow me wholeheartedly, I will bring you into the promises that I have for you. May God speak that over each and every one of our lives. But I'm sure that Caleb was very disappointed. Yeah? I mean, here, he sees the promise, and it's so close. And then God says, well, because of all your friends, not because of you, because of all your friends, you're not going to inherit your promise now. You're going to have to wait 45 years because of your friends. I'm sure some of you can relate to that disappointment where you've believed for something, or maybe you've gone into a business venture with a friend or something, and they've made their promises, and you've done your part, but then they let you down. We are, life is full of disappointments, and many times we're believing for something, and we fall short. We get disappointed, not because we did something wrong, but because others that we were depending on didn't keep their word. Have we all been there sometimes? And this is what I believe where Caleb was. He was disappointed that he wasn't able to go in. And yet, in the midst of his disappointment, where he had to learn to patiently wait on God, he chose, rather than to become bitter and resentful and angry, he chose to feed on the faithfulness of God. May God help us to do the same. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. This is what it is to be wholehearted. To trust in God with all of our heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. This is what the 10 spies did. 
They trusted in their own understanding. They looked at their size and they looked at the size of the giants and they said, okay, this doesn't make sense. We can't do this. But they hadn't figured God into the equation who is so much greater. So we need to believe and trust in God with all of our heart. Seek him in all you do and he will show you which path to take. It's so much easier to put our trust in what we see. And all of us do it at times because what we see speaks louder sometimes than what God has spoken to us. And we must learn to trust in what he says and let what he says take precedence in our lives above what we see with our eyes. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. Don't go by the majority. Many times the majority are the ones who go by their sight. Choose to be the minority like Caleb and Joshua, that you may inherit what God has for you. Sometimes you need to choose a more lonely road to walk down because the majority will go in the way that suits them best. And if you just follow the crowd, you might be heading in the wrong direction and you will never see the possession of the promises that God has for you. So how do we develop unwavering trust in God? The first point that I want to bring today is to be wholehearted. We need to keep our focus right. We need to keep our focus right. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we keep our focus right if we want to have unwavering faith? You cannot be full of faith without being full of the word. Did you hear that? Some Christians think that, oh, well, you know, I believe in God, and it's just going to be a smooth ride, and I'm going to... Faith is something that we feed every day. We need to strengthen our faith every single day. And how do we do it? The Bible says here, faith comes by hearing. We need to hear the word, meditate on the word, feed on the word, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when we began this series, um, Sylvester was preaching on the first Sunday where we looked at chapter 1 in, in, in Joshua, where God speaks to Joshua and he gives him a recipe for success because God wants all of us to succeed and to be prosperous. But there are certain things that we need to put in place things that we need to position ourselves correctly for us to receive that. And as I was meditating on that scripture, maybe it's because I like baking, but it looked to me like a recipe. So I've got a recipe for you this morning, a recipe. Can we dim the lights, please, so people can read better? And this comes from Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 to 18. And you can go and read it up yourself. This is a good recipe to follow for 2023 in your life. It's a recipe for success. How to be prosperous and successful wherever you go. So these promises are coming directly out of Joshua chapter 1. When you look there and when you read it over, you find that four times God says in that short passage, four times he says, be strong and courageous. God wants us to be successful and prosperous. And here in this recipe, I guess... I guess we often feel weak and discouraged. Not so? 
I don't think God would have needed to say this four times if it wasn't because we really need to be reminded of it. Because so often we feel weak, so often we feel discouraged. So four times God says, be strong and courageous, which means when you find yourself feeling weak and discouraged, feed on the word of God and speak to your spirit. Be strong and be courageous. So we got four cups of be strong and courageous. Secondly, be careful to obey all the word. Okay, it's cut short there, sorry. But four times it says, um, be careful to obey all of the word of God. So two times in that short uh, passage, it says we need to obey all of the word. Many times we choose certain parts of the word that we want to obey, and then there's other things in the word that we don't really like, and we just avoid it. But here, the recipe for success is to be careful to obey all the word of God. Not just some of it, but all of it. And then it goes on four times. We are, it says, do not, do not, do not, do not. There are four things that you should not do if you want to be successful. The first one is, do not deviate from the word to the left or to the right. Okay? So it means obey, follow, don't go this way. If your friends are calling you that way, stay on the path. Don't go left or right. Secondly, do not... Um, Okay, sorry, I think again something's missing there. But you should not, you, again, turn away from the word. Do not turn away from the word, but you need to confess it and meditate on the word both day and night, okay? So don't turn to the left or the right. Meditate and confess the word day and night. Can you see how much the word of God is such an important part of our life if we want to be successful? It needs to be the foundation of our life. And I want to encourage all of you, if you don't own a Bible, make that a goal this year of 2023, to get yourself a Bible that you can read in, that you can write in, that you can underline, that you can meditate and um, um, feed on the Word, because this is the path to success. Then he goes on to say, do not be terrified. Again, when we're terrified and we're filled with fear, then we become immobilized and we can't do what God has called us to. It paralyzes us. And God wants us to be full of faith. Again, the last one, do not be discouraged. Once again, God is encouraging us to rise up and be full of courage because a lack of courage immobilizes us. And God wants you to be fit for battle. And then the last little bit, number four of my recipe here, one teaspoon of the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You know, it's just a short statement that comes in this whole writing. And yet, it, to me, it's like the baking powder you put into a cake. Because it's a small statement, but it makes all the difference. Because when you add that little teaspoon, the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Guess what? It works its way through the whole cake and makes the cake rise and become everything that it's supposed to be. But without him, your cake's going to be a flop. You need him with you all the way. If God is with you, who can stand against you? So this is your recipe for success, guys. And um, I just wanted to share it with you because I feel such a burden for you um, as a church that we really 
give the Word of God its rightful place in our lives. If we don't do that, if we don't give it first place in our hearts, we cannot be successful in our walk with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So how do we keep our focus right? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author. He is the word. He is the one who started your faith, and he's the one who will perfect it. So keep your focus on him. Number two, the second thing we need to do is to trust in God's timing. This one is so challenging. As we heard before from Psalms 37, wait patiently. We don't like to do that. We would like God to give us a time frame so that we know by 6 o'clock tonight, God's going to come through for me. But he seldom does tell, give us a time frame. And God's time frame is so different from ours. One person I think of is, um, when I was uh, thinking about this point of trusting in God's timing, was Joseph from the Bible. Do you know J Joseph was only 17 years old when he had two really interesting dreams? And the first dream he had, we read about this in, in Genesis 37. He told his brothers about the dream. And it was, this was the dream, that they were out in a field, all the brothers, and they were tying bundles of grain together. And suddenly, Joseph's bundle of grain stood up, and all the other bundles gathered around and bowed down before his um, so his brothers responded. They were very annoyed with him and angry. They said, so do you think you're going to be our king? Do you actually think that you're going to reign over us? And they were very annoyed because Joseph was the younger brother. And he's saying this to his older brothers. They thought he was being very disrespectful. But he was very unwise in his youth. He was only 17. So instead of getting the hint... When he got the next dream, he came and shared that with his brothers as well. And that was even worse. They got even more angry because it says soon he had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down low before me. So in his dream, the sun and the moon is his mom and dad. And the 11 stars are his brothers. And they're all bowing down to him. So now even this time, his dad gets a bit annoyed. <laughs> and it's like, okay, maybe just calm down with those dreams. If you have a few more, just keep them to yourself. You don't need to share them with everyone else because everyone is getting so annoyed with him. So here in these dreams that Joseph had, God is speaking something over his life, a promise. Maybe some of you have had dreams that God has spoken, a promise over your life. And you're like, I don't know when this is going to happen. God has spoken. I've seen this. I've seen this in my future. That's happened to me before where God's shown me something. And sometimes years go by before suddenly it comes to pass. And I remember, wow, I had that dream. It's happening now. But do you know with, with Joseph here, he was only 17. And from the time where God spoke these dreams to him, these promises over his life, his life just went downhill from there. First, his brothers beat him up and threw him in a pit. Then they sold him as a slave. And you know the story about him where he comes to work at Potiphar's house. Then he gets falsely accused. He goes to prison. And you just hear of all this trouble in his life. And you wonder, but God promised. God promised. What's happening? Do you know when he became, then he, 
Joseph, just to run through the story quickly, Joseph interpreted from prison, he interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh. And as a result, he was released from prison and he was made the vice president, the second most important person in the whole nation. And at the age of 30, his dreams came to pass because he was a governor at that time when his family came to, because there was no food and they came to buy food from, from them. So it took, is that 20, 23 years for his dreams to come to pass? Sometimes for us, we wait a week or one year and we're like, God, have you forgotten all about me? When it says wait patiently, guys, sometimes that's a few years we got to wait. And it's in that waiting that God is perfecting, developing our character, making us ready for what he has in store for us. Because if he just gives it to you without that waiting period, you won't even be able to handle the blessing that he has for you. So the road to the fulfillment of God's promises in your life is not without challenge. And we need to realize this because many of us, we stand with promises and we're saying, but why is it so hard? God's given me this promise. Why is it not happening? Well, just as it was with the Israelites who were given the promised land, they didn't just inherit it on a platter. They had to go in and fight the battles to overcome and to gain victory and get those promises. And it's the same in our lives as well. When God has given you promises in your life, don't sit back and say, okay, well, God, I'm waiting for you to put it in my lap. Well, there are things, obstacles, and challenges to overcome. And as you do that, your faith becomes stronger and your, um, your focus on God becomes greater. And as you inherit that promise, you're able to live in the fullness of God's, what God has for you. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11 says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. In the right time... God will make all things beautiful, even in your life. He's also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So God sees the whole spectrum of time from beginning to end, and he's placed eternity in your heart. And God is saying, in my time, I will make all things beautiful. Not in your time, but in my time. In Isaiah 58, God says, My thoughts are not like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So we can't begin to understand the mind of God, guys. He reveals it to us in little bits and pieces, but his mind is so much greater than anything we can ever fathom or understand. So let us not wag our finger at God and say, God, why haven't you done what you should? We need to realize that God is God. His thoughts are so much greater than ours, and his timing is perfect. He knows better the right time to um, allow his promises to come to pass in your life. So, trust in God's timing. Can we do that? Can we trust in God's timing? Yeah, even while we're waiting? Praise God. Number three, the last point. 
Don't lose sight of his promises. What would have happened if Caleb, in those 45 years of his life, walking through the desert, he lost sight of God, lost sight of the goal, he would never have inherited the promise. I really think it's incredible to hold on to something for 45 years. Some of you think 45 is very old. But he received God's promise when he was 85. That's a very long time to wait. And I can think of a lot of people in the Bible who had to wait on God's promises. And one person in particular that I'm thinking of is Abraham. In Genesis 15, verse 5 and 6. At that time, Abraham didn't have any child. He didn't have any offspring. Him and his wife, his wife had been barren and they had no children. But God took Abraham outside and he said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. What faith did that take? Here's a man who's old and he's got no kids. And God says, look at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And he believed it. Elsewhere, God also says to him, look at the sand on the sea, on the ground. As many sand as there is, so will be your descendants. So I just, I'm thinking of Abraham here. He's got no child. But during the day as he's walking, he's looking at the sand and he's like, that's my descendants. I'm going to have as many descendants as the sand I'm walking on. At nighttime when the sun was gone, he looks at the sky and he looks at the stars. That's my descendants. He kept the promise of God always before him day and night. That kind of reminds us of the recipe. Meditate upon the word of God. Fill yourself with it day and night. Okay? We need to keep God's promises in front of us. Don't lose sight of them. And even while you're waiting, don't lose sight. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we possess, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful, and we need to hold on unswervingly. So are there promises that God has made over your life today? Things that you're believing God for that haven't come to pass yet, we need to get those promises out again. We need to focus on them again and begin to build faith, believing that God is going to bring breakthrough in our lives for those things in our lives. There's a scripture in the Bible that says, every promise of God is yes and amen through Jesus Christ. And God wants us to rise up from the place of despondency, disappointment, discouragement. Maybe we've lost focus in our time of waiting. God wants us to get focused again, to position ourselves again and allow him to give us new resolve to position ourselves right, that we can receive God's promises in our lives.